9 of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus from Barbaras She was heavy laden And away we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, me lads, you should have seen us standing Passing the folks along the road Just to see what's standing All the lads and lasses there And all the smiling faces Got me along the Scots road To see the Bladen races Yo, what is good, ladies and germs? Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. This is episode 220, and your boy Elijah here is joined by the one and only man with a plan, man who at one point spoke three different languages, Joshua. Dude, Josh, how are you doing? <laughs> I a few words of each language, but none of them. None well, of them I didn't fluent. say fluent. I just said you spoke well. them. Like you physically opened your mouth and a language came out and you did that three different times with languages that weren't English. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, sweet. Well, I want to just remind everyone real quick doing the, the business. Uh, subscribe to us on all platforms. Fun fact for those of you who use Google Podcasts. Don't think any of you do. That will cease to exist next year. So um, go ahead and use something different. (laughs) Everything's moving over to YouTube Music. So (laughs) I guess, yeah, Google's going all all in on YouTube Music. But again, subscribe uh, where you find your podcasts, um, like where you normally get them. And then rate us five stars on Spotify and Apple. Um, Other than that, just the normal follows on socials, you know, the drill, all that good stuff. I feel like we can just go ahead and get started. Should be. Um, exciting episode yeah. uh, we got a couple reviews to do and a preview and then reminder that this is a, a champions league week so you'll see two different episodes in your feed you know they're both going to be good so you might as well listen to them both all right sweet let's kick it off with josh what, what's going on in the fantasy world fast fantasy update uh i'm somehow still in first either <laughs> I don't even know. Um, my magic mags on 481 points. Botman returns, had a 79 point week, and is up to 442 points in second place. Comeback Carius dropped to third place after only a 52 point week. He's on 437 total points. The three biggest weeks were me at 82, uh, Toon Raider at 82 as well, and Botman returns at 79. You stayed put at 33rd with 51 points. And uh, and the and, and uh, the question that I have is with 90% of fantasy players not only owning Erling Holland but captaining him week after week, when do you gamble and take the armband off looking to score points that others might not be thinking about? Are are you are you asking do, me? First off, seriously? I'm sort of a yeah. So you're yeah, you're you're new in the game. Do you have Holland yes, in your and side? He cap and I've capped him. I actually already used my triple captain on him this season. It worked out well. Yeah. And I mean, that yeah, worked. Was, yeah. <laughs> so Me too. But but he only had four points last week as my captain, and he's facing an Arsenal side this week. Like, is this the week where maybe you take the captain off of him and say, you know, Arsenal might be a tough match for City? And you put it on somebody playing oh, against wow. Luton Town or my, my shot is that I I have Son and Madison in my team, and they're going up against Luton. So that would be this would be one of the rare weeks 
that I would consider it. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm still, ugh, I don't know. I, I did you already make your transfer I did. this week? Um, I think I think I did. I, I'm I'm seeing it. I I basically had to transfer someone off my team who was injured, who got injured this past week. Yeah, I actually didn't transfer Estupinon off off my team. He's it looks like he's going to be back in November, so he's just on my bench right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I this could be the week, but there's also like this weird like I'm not going to say like. I don't know. It feels like with Man City and Arsenal games, those games tend to be high scoring in the sense that like it always feels like one mm. team's going to score at least two or three. And it could be 3-1 or 3-2 or 3 nothing. And usually the victor of that is Man City. And it's like a Her- Erling Holland brace. So that's where yeah. it, it gets weird because it's like, yeah, it feels like he, yeah, he does show up in, in – in uh in in some of these uh some of these really big matches really gets up for Liverpool or Arsenal or someone like that. Um not Newcastle. If if they're playing Newcastle, you might want to get uh Julian Alvarez. Because yeah. he seems to like always <laughs> score against Newcastle. But yeah, yeah, I would say maybe not this week. This week's tempting though. I, I'm very tempted to maybe Captain Madison. Uh, against Luton because I think he's going to have a goal contribution. Maybe Son because Son's back to goring, scoring goals. He's kind of hot. So, he's, yeah, he's kind of getting hot. They, I think they call that, and uh, I'm learning about this as I go through, I think what they call that is the, a differential. When you're making a choice about a player that maybe not everybody else is making um, based on their, you know who they play and the likelihood that they'll score points versus like, the top players because yeah. they always score points. And so I'm just, I'm sort of looking for those differentials. It's, to it's, try all, to it's a above. big thing as well. in like American fantasy football of like people watching the waiver wire and, and picking up a backup running back. Who's going, it's like the number 30 rush defense in the league, because even though like he's a backup running back, that other team's defense is so bad that he's guaranteed to yeah. get, you know, X, Y, Z amount of points versus you just, sticking with your normal starters. I I don't do that. I'm in a league that's like a bunch of guys who take it way more seriously than me, and it's literally just friends from college who are all sports nerds. And I, I'm like, this is just my <laughs> opportunity to reconnect with you guys. So I don't care as much. All right. Um, well, thank you for that. And then we got any news on the women's front? Any any news about women? Have yeah, they achieved so they're, suffrage? Yeah. I'll just... <laughs> Uh, Newcastle United's women are fourth on nine, nine points still from just three played. They've had, I think, two games postponed for sure, at least the first one that we know about. They head to Jericho Lane this Sunday to take on the Liverpool Feds. That's the team who pipped promotion two seasons ago. Uh, Liverpool are currently fifth, also on nine points. Uh, depending on other results from around the league, a win could see uh, Newcastle go second in the table. Burnley are currently first on 13 points. They play uh, against Newcastle on October 15th at Kingston Park. Uh, Newcastle also advanced in the FA WNL Cup after a come-from-behind away win 2-1 at Birmingham and West Midlands. They host Forest at Kingston Park on October 29th. However, 
due to a possible conflict for time and space with the rugby team. Um, the exact details have still yet to be determined, so I'm sure we'll mm. know more next week. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Um, well, on that note, it's it was a very good week for Newcastle on the English football front. So this episode is going to be all about the English side of things. And again, if you want to hear some UCL stuff, you want to hear me and Josh salivate over that performance and take it in, uh, that's a different podcast. We're going to take in Newcastle's also very solid performances um, this week. Uh, let's start with the cup match, um, EFL Cup. We had been complaining about the the cup draw uh and we kind of mm. knew that there was going to be some rotation from newcastle side some rotation from man city side um and it worked out for newcastle uh they won one nothing uh so shout out to them um with uh geez i, I literally just had it up this font mob has added ads and it's very annoying uh, with a goal from Alexander Isak, mm. uh, with Joel Olinson getting the assist. Uh, just real quick, the the lineups for Newcastle. Um, interesting one for Newcastle. Uh, Nick Pope remained in goal, which I thought was a bit odd, just because um, Dubrovka and Karius were both healthy and available. So interesting there. Uh, Tino Livermento got the start at right back. He had a really good match. Uh, Jamal Lascelles uh, started in... Jamal Ocells has been filling in for the injured Sven Botman as well, so good on him. Paul Dummett playing at left center back, uh, and to be fair, both did pretty well. Matt Target played at left back. Lewis Miley was actually uh, in the midfield alongside Tonali and Joelinton. Oh, actually, sorry, really, Tonali and Lewis Hall, but it depends on it, – it, it switched. But Joelinton also made an appearance as well. I think he was left wing or left mid, depending on the time of the match. Uh, so take that or leave that. Isak started up top with Jacob Murphy out on the wing. Um, again, like I said, Man City, again, chose to rest, and they took the gamble of um, playing still a fairly decently strong side, um, but uh, not playing Erling Holland and some of the other guys and starting them or Phil Foden or, or Jeremy Doak, who's been really good for them, or, or um, Matias Nunes, who's been pretty good for them as well. Again, they rotated a lot of guys. And again, you do that when you're Manchester City and you're trying to win the league, trying to win the FA Cup, and you're trying to win Champions League as well. Uh, so they started uh, They started Stefan Ortega in goal with a back three of Nathan Ake, Vardial, and Akanji. Uh, Calvin Phillips was playing in the midfield, rare appearance for him, alongside Rico mm-hmm. Lewis. And they had Sergio Gomez playing as a right mid slash right wing back. Jack Grealish is playing as left mid slash left wing back. Kovacic and Oscar Bob, which Oscar Bob is probably the best name in the Prem, played in the middle. And then, uh, as we just mentioned, Julian Alvarez, he started up top for them. Um, uh, Off the bat, just kind of a very quick summary of everything. Uh, It was a lot of Man City, uh, like, dominating some possession and stuff early on. But in the end of the day, Newcastle were looking to play on the counter and Man City couldn't handle it. Um, definitely was a different Newcastle side coming out of out of the half. Uh, there were some subs made in the first half. Uh, just it, the moment felt a little bit too big for Lewis Hall um, and Lewis Miley. Both sort of looked out of place and it was very 
I don't want to say like there was there was just some dysfunction in that midfield. Um, even that's where I was. We were kind of mentioning earlier. Joel Ellenson played out wide a little bit and then was tucked back into the midfield. Um, and all that kind of jazz. So again, it happens. All that kind of stuff. But uh, the subs made all the difference in this for Newcastle. They look like a completely different yeah. team. They brought on Anthony Gordon and they brought on Bruno Gimaraes. And eventually also brought on Amiga um, Amaron, Fabian Scheer, and Ellie Anderson. But uh, Bruno coming in into the midfield alongside Tonali and uh, and and Joelington uh, made massive difference. Newcastle started to control the midfield, especially against like Calvin Phillips, who has not been great, and a youngster in Enrico Lewis. It just really won all the midfield battles after that, and it made it a lot easier for Newcastle in the second half. And then uh, I don't want to be too long-winded here. We'll just quickly mention Newcastle did score. Uh, Jacob Murphy was the was the one who kind of started this started this whole move off. He found Joelinton kind of right outside the box. Uh, Brazil the, the Joelinton uh, then beat Rico Lewis and um, then Nathan Ake and then crossed the, had a low cross across the box to Isak and it was just an empty net for him. So. Should win. Um, after that, Newcastle had a couple more chances, uh, but still really, like, at that point, uh, Man City kind of were out of it. Uh, they made some substitutions later on to try to get back in it. Phil Foden came on, um, and uh, Erling Holland came on as well. But they really weren't as dangerous um, overall. But just, again, I'm, I'm just absolutely dominating this segment because I just want to get through it. But the, the big notes were that Newcastle looked much better, the better side in the second half. Whew, all that to say, uh, Josh, you got anything? Um, and then I'll kind of close with the three words from this match. Then you can kind of, if you have mm. a if you have a man in the match, I can, I can. Yeah, yeah I have a few thoughts. Uh, so I, I expected to see more from Grealish. I was disappointed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to take the win, but. From a Manchester City side, I was really expecting more from Grealish. I felt like he and Alvarez just weren't, you know, like they weren't much of a mm-hmm. much of a threat. And maybe that's Newcastle doing a fantastic job of neutralizing them, even with some of that dysfunction you mentioned from our midfield. Yeah, early. Yeah, yeah, but just the it, it, I think it shows the resiliency, resiliency and strength, but also like the mindset of our manager Eddie Howe, who made all five subs, and his subs made the side stronger. Whereas Pep, it makes you wonder how serious he took the match because he only made three of the five subs, and he had uh, Kyle Walker, uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, and Early Holland still still um, on the bench that he did not bring in to try to be, you know, difference makers. Um, And that's interesting to me that I think at some point, maybe he just stopped chasing it and was trying to conserve his side for, for Europe. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's my bad for Um, saying early. I I could have sworn that he came on, but it was really just the broadcast continually mentioning just being like, Oh, they can bring on Erling Holland. And they never did. (laughs) yeah yeah that was just weird and so it made me wonder how serious pep took the match at all and um we don't have to wonder anymore because it's over with and we won but i have a question for you about calvin phillips um to me he was really effective um when he was playing for leeds 
And I just don't, I don't know what's going on here. Is Pep not using him correctly? You know, has he had a drop off in form? This is a guy that's getting England call-ups. And my question is, do you think that this is a player that uh, if City's given up on, if Newcastle can go pick up on the cheap in January, and if someone like Phillips would be a difference maker under Eddie Howe in, the, Ooh, in a Newcastle That's side. a loaded question. I'll start with this. Uh, Calvin Phillips is an interesting one because I don't think Calvin Phillips is as bad as Manchester City fans paint him out to be. I think it's just it's really tough yeah. to get into the Manchester City team, especially in a, in, a, in a role like as a defensive midfielder that City really already have one of the best defensive midfielders in the world at. So it's like... It's like no offense to Calvin Phillips, but he's he's not beating out Rodri. Like he's just not. Like it's like it's not no. going to be the case. Um, and so it, it's look. And then typically when when um, when Man City are making subs, they're never subbing off Rodri. You're they're never they they they're they're so good and their backline is so solid that they never need to bring on an extra defensive midfielder for any reason. So he doesn't really get a lot of playing time. So. I don't think that he's as bad as the situation in Man City paints him as. I do think there could have been a drop off just in general because of that lack of playing time. But also, like, yeah. there's some there's some validity. Like, I mean, he's been injured and all that kind of jazz. So there still is a gamble there. But I definitely think that if Calvin Phillips was on a team that he could get some more consistent playing time in. And maybe um, a, a more simplified role because Pep does demand a lot from his players. I, I think that he could still be good, and I wouldn't mind having him at Newcastle if, for the simple fact that I think we're missing a little bit of balance still in the midfield. It, it's gotten better, and we'll we'll kind of touch on that in this episode. Sean Longstaff has really made it a lot better when Sean Longstaff has kind of admitted to doing mm-hmm. a lot of more of the defensive dirty work, but. It does feel like there's not really another midfielder that can do what Bruno's been doing, which is kind of recycle that possession and also still provide a lot of defensive cover. And I don't think we've seen the best of Bruno yet because he hasn't been given that license to go forward as much as I think that he could. And Calvin Phillips being a protector behind him and his role being simplified uh, and would I think could make Newcastle a lot better. And we could see this really interesting midfield where Tonali and Bruno are both giving free range to be all over the pitch and ping passes wherever they want. And right now, Newcastle just don't have an opportunity to even test that out. So yeah, if the price is right, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even throwing that out. There's a wicked whisper. I just a player that I feel like. Oh, for sure. I, I think and, this is yeah, his yeah. last year in Manchester city. Yeah, one way or the other. You know, if Leeds come back up, maybe that's where he ends up. You know, yeah, I, I can see home. that. But because he was absolutely, yeah, he beloved was beloved there. there, and he's clearly. I also think that like if he's made available, because he also hasn't been available. But if he was made available, I think there's a few clubs, even in the top six, that I think could use him. Like even like Manchester United, yeah. not really having another true CDM outside of Casemiro, like that. That seems like a club that could use him. Again, the pressure is is a little bit different yeah. there, and maybe it, that's another conversation about the manager. But it does feel like Leeds is a good spot, mm-hmm. honestly. Like West Ham or Newcastle or Villa are also really good landing spots for him, where um, there's a little bit less pressure, but 
you have faith in those managers to get the best out of the players they have. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and, and then uh, our guy, yep. Thomas Frank at Brentford, that'd be another good spot. I don't think they need a guy like Callum Phillips, but oh, yeah. that's another just manager. I have faith that he would get the best out of, out of that player. Yeah. And if he was given the opportunity to sign a player of that quality, he would, he would damn sure make sure that that person is in the best position to succeed. Um, but yeah, that's good. All right. And then really quickly, uh, man of the match. This was, again, this is a little bit far ago. This is about a week since um, this match has happened. Um, if you need a reminder of like kind of who was decently, who, who performed decently in that match, I could give you some just player ratings that I've seen around the internet. But is there anyone you remember distinctly that stood out to you in that match? Uh, maybe yeah, Joe that, Linton himself, you know, I know. Yeah. I mean, he got the assist on the goal and, um, you know, I think mm-hmm. he was a difference maker and uh, did he play, did he play the full 90? Uh, he the did end? play the full 90. I think he, yeah. So I think it just the first game back too. It was, it was good to get, injured, we'd mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to get the full. Yeah. It was, it was nice to see him out there. He put in a good shift, got the assist. And, uh, as we'll find out, you know, it was good to yeah. see him. Um, my mine actually is a player who got a lot of love that match, um, and it's a defender. Uh, I my heart wants to say Lascelles. I think I he might be my man of the match for the, the next episode, just because I just it's it's really bias of Jamal Lascelles, who we slagged on for so long. I don't actually think I knew you, Josh, when when. Uh, when we were slagging on Lascelles, just not not in a bad way, just of like Newcastle just signed better players. Uh, but he's just been really impressive these last few matches, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but honestly, my man yeah. of the match, Tino Livermento, was absolutely brilliant in this match. Um, I think it kind of, yeah. Oh, that's Yeah, right. I would say yes. that's one where it was like uh, you kind of forget because, again, he's right back, no goal contributions, but just all over the pitch, won a lot of ground duels, had a couple like, like game saving tackles in in the mix there. Uh, one of the most interesting things for me, only misplaced two passes the entire match. Twenty six out of twenty eight, ninety three percent pass completion percentage. I'm not going to say it feels like we found our Trippier replacement, but for being twenty years old and putting in a shift like that against still again a very solid Manchester City side. He's going against Jack Grealish the whole time, and he had Jack Grealish in his pocket. Like, it was, like, phone, wallet, keys, Grealish. Like, that's what he left the house with in his pocket. Like, it was it was, gr- <laughs> it was great. He had a good match. And, again, you're going up against still a good attacker, still a good midfielder in Kovacic, still, um, like, Alvarez. Oscar Bob was all over the place. Um, and, again, different side of the pitch, but also he had some some just key moments where he was really good. So, shout-out to Tino. Uh, he, and the fans sung his praises during that match as well. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I think Isak deserves a shout for just scoring. Good for his confidence as well. Um, I think we had mentioned this uh, a couple of episodes ago when Newcastle were really struggling. It's, again, a very difficult start to the season. Isak just didn't look the same as last year, and it's looking like he's back to uh, Isak of last year. Uh, he's He's been on a bit of a tear these past couple of matches. Yeah, he and yeah, Wilson just battling out is, is it's it's good for the club. Like it, it's really it really is good for the club. All right, um, let's get into Burnley. Uh, so right after Newcastle won one uh, nil against Man City, they actually kept a consecutive clean sheet. That's three clean sheets, well four clean sheets in a row actually, uh, if you include the Milan match and then of course the eight zero drubbing of Sheffield. Um, they then went 
and hosted Burnley at home. Uh, 1-2-0. Miguel Almiron got on the score sheet for the first time this season after, again, another player who'd gotten some criticism this season, and you could argue rightfully so, but also, like we just mentioned, part of that is the opponents Newcastle were playing. He scored probably already one of Newcastle's best goals of the season until, of course, the PSG match. But uh, Newcastle, uh, but yeah, Almiron scored the first goal, and then kind of Newcastle were in control from from then on. Um, Burnley didn't really look like threatening the entire match. Isak uh, scored a pen that was won later on, and again another just good one for his confidence. Real quick, going through the lineups, Newcastle with the four three three slight rotation, um, and and it's really cool kind of to see Elliot Anderson be a mainstay in this midfield rota- midfield rotation. Kind of curious to see what happens when uh, Joe Willett comes back, but um, Joe Ellington had uh, Joe Ellington actually he came on for Elliot Anderson, so we'll get into that at the end. But the key big thing out of this was Joe Ellington picked up a knock, um, as well as Callum Wilson had picked up a knock. I think. In training, but Joel to pick up a knock in this match. Newcastle starting lineup: uh, Nick Pope and goal, Trippier, Lascelles uh, getting the start alongside Share um, because again Botman was injured. Dan Burn at left back, Sean Longstaff, Bruno and Ellie Anderson in the midfield, Miguel Almiron, Isak and Gordon up top. Great match from everyone all around. If you're looking at any rating system, I don't think there was a Newcastle player below like seven point four or five or something like that. So good on them. Uh, Burnley uh, went with Amduni up top with uh, Aaron Ramsey out wide, Josh Brownhill as a cam, um, Luca Colacio, who did not realize he's American. He was out left, out, sorry, out right. Um, Josh Cullen as a defensive midfielder, uh, Sander Berg, which is a, a name, uh, a, you know, solid name, a former Bournemouth player, uh, playing as a defensive midfielder uh, with Charlie Taylor as their as their left back. Uh, Jordan Bayer, um, and then Amin Al-Dakil uh, as the other center back there, and Connor Roberts with uh, James Trafford and goal. So uh, again, solid, solid team. Uh, just on the other, on the other end, Tino Livermento came in, Joel Ellenson came in, got injured, Tonali came in, uh, Jacob Murphy came in on the Burnley side. Uh, J. Rodriguez, who we talked about in the last uh, episode, he came in. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Brun Larson, another kind of solid attacking player, uh, who I forgot where was he before Burnley? Ooh, I have to. Yeah, he's at Hoffenheim. So I think he's on loan actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was going to say that's a Bundesliga name. I knew it was Bundesliga, but I had to I had to double check. And I knew it was blue. Yeah. I knew it was blue. And then uh, Wilson Otterbert, the youngster yeah. for them out of their academy, came on. Vitinho is an old, a, a familiar face for for those who play a little career mode. He came on as well. Uh, he just signed with Berlin to free. And then Anasawuri uh, also came in. And real quick before, I, I've been talking a lot, but it just that's the that's the, that's the mm. part of being a host. It's, Don't worry about it. You end up saying a lot. Um, okay, uh, quick three words. Uh, Toon Army Portland said that wasn't pretty. Eric Schmidt said clean sheet kings. Joshua Duder, oh, who is that? He says at what cost? Kim Avery says moving on up. Joe Terry says another clean sheet. And since this is a league match, I do have to remind you, this actually put Newcastle in eighth place. And I want to also mention yep. that Newcastle are behind Manchester City in goal differential with uh, 11, with a positive goal differential of 11. Man City at the best with 12. And then Newcastle have the most goals scored right behind uh, Brighton. They're tied with Villa at 18. 
Uh, Brighton have 19 goals scored. So uh, it does seem, again, part of that is inflated with the 8-0 win, but it kind of mm-hmm. is leading into a question I will I will ask later on. But, Josh, uh, any overall thoughts on this match against Burnley? What do you kind of remember from it? I know we've cons- we've both consumed a lot of footy since then um, for, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think a two nil win is, is, um, solid. It's not the, you know, it's not the eight goals that we got from Sheffield. Um, but, but it's a good win. And, and, uh, again, like at what cost is we suffered a, a few, a few injuries. Um, but I, I, I did, I was impressed with the, the, the ability yeah. of Dan Byrne. He's not, he, he was getting, he was getting outpaced by Colio show. Um, but he was using his size and I think his experience to, to, to allow Koleosha to run to the end line and not get much out of those runs. And it was, you know, it was a few, a few runs like that where you know, this guy looks like he's going to get in behind and then Dan Burns sort of cut him off. But he, he also like, if he couldn't get, if he couldn't keep up with him, he'd stall him, you know, he, he'd leverage his position and size to stall Koleosha long enough so that Shar or, or Lachelle could sort of get into a position to help defend it as well. So that rendered those those passes back to like Amduni as sort of useless. Um, yeah. And I just felt like they they did a really good job of taking those two young fast players and let's throw Ramsey in there too because Ramsey was highly highly regarded. Yeah, as Ramsey's well. a, is a um, very good prospect just, um, as well. So yeah, I'd shoot yeah. that. And he, yeah, he's only twenty. I mean, that's the tough thing about Burtonley is that like. They have some really promising talent. It's just it, it's there's this weird level of like you get to the prim and like you everyone has to perform, especially when you're a recently promoted side, and like you can't you honestly can't afford if you're if you're in a relegation battle for some of your young guys to just have a match where they learn, you know what it's really like going against experienced defenders. And when your your wingers are going up against two of the most experienced players in the Prem, and Kieran Trippier, who has a resume like no one else in the Premier League from the fullback spot, and Dan Byrne, who's just been around the block and has played at every single level from Yeovil Town up to Brighton up to Newcastle, like it's it's just really tough. And that's just you just take that on the cheek and um, chalk it up as an L and try to figure out how to improve. And you kind of wish the best for these two youngsters. Um, as they continue to make their mark, but it's just a reminder: this ain't the championship anymore. No, sir. Yeah. No, sir. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, there was a, it was a good match. A good match overall. Fun, to, fun to watch. Um, I just rewatched the highlights tonight before yeah. we recorded. So, yeah. And then, kind solid. of the only other thing I wanted to touch on is: is Newcastle back? We we and again, I think maybe more than others. I, I'd probably imagine the athletic podcast is a little bit less uh, pessimistic as some of the fan podcasts out there. But I don't know, Josh, you and I have called this. We we constantly reminded people that the Newcastle have one of the hardest starts. Their first five matches were one of the hardest yeah. of anyone in the print by a long shot. Like, it wasn't even close. And, like, there was an opportunity for Newcastle to get back in good graces, get back to Newcastle we know. And in the last three yeah. English matches – Newcastle's Newcastle scored 11 goals and on three straight clean sheets. And that's not even including the match we will not talk about on this podcast, but the next episode um, against PSG where they, they, (laughs) 
they put forward past one of the best teams in Europe with arguably one of the best players in the world. Like, is Newcastle back? That's yeah. that's that's the question. Is Newcastle back? I I guess the answer is where they ever that's really fair. gone. Um, if you think about this, they blew out Aston mm-hmm. Villa in week one. They they lost one nil away mm-hmm. to Manchester City. That's like you know they just beat Manchester City one nil. Yeah. It does, does um, make a difference. Yeah. yeah so wh- whatevs, right? You went to the champions and you beat them. One, they, you lost one nil. Okay. Um, they lost to a Liverpool team. That game, I think, was one that just went sideways. Also would argue um, that Liverpool and, is potentially Newcastle. This version of Newcastle United's bogey team. Like, it does feel like... I think they're yeah, the bogey everyone's team. Everyone's got yeah. their bogey team, except for Man City. Um, but it, it, it... I think Liverpool play up when... I think that they play up when they play against Newcastle, too. I think... I think that they don't like. I'm going to say, I, 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 there's, so I think that's like, potential for like we had mentioned earlier, maybe like the first episode actually of this season. Um, someone had mentioned that they were excited for the Villa Newcastle game because that could be a rivalry. It still could, just the fan bases. There's a lot of pretty good banter and honestly, way better banter than between Newcastle yeah. and Liverpool. And, you know, Liverpool fans are on. No, they're just nasty say, Liverpool fans are out on Twitter demanding a match replay and all this other ridiculousness. They're unhinged. <laughs> they're, it's, it's like they, yeah. they, <laughs> they were the recipients. I think on nine occasions last year, they they received the most points from VAR decisions last year. And like, sure, right? Like that was. Uh, I think that was. I mean, uh, an egregious error. It's an egregious error, error and there's on, the, on the VAR of, audio doesn't help the case. And it definitely doesn't help the no, case that doesn't. the guy was in the but UAE like, beforehand. But it, that doesn't matter. That at the, yeah, sure. like, but I mean, he could have been anywhere. He could have been anywhere. I, the day he could have been. In I Japan, about to say. I think the Africa, the whatever. bigger issue is that like, there was a ref who was involved in this match that had refed a match two days earlier in a different con- continent. Like that's the issue. Like it doesn't matter a, where they were. Conf- that's like, a conflict yeah. of interest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but 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 like but yeah, and the last on on the whole thing is to to have the audacity to say there's some sort of conspiracy out there against Liverpool. Like it's all, every every freaking week, it's another whinge about another reason why they're they're not the best, and it's just the hubris of expectation that they should be the number one team every year, year in year out, year in year out, no matter what. And guess what? Sometimes you're just not. And just fucking deal okay. with it. Anyway, that's my okay. Last thing on that until wait, we wait, wait. One more thing on Liverpool is, and this is going to make oh, you yes. mad, but every uh, fan, I think part of the thing that's that I see, and again, I'm chronically online and I'm chronically on Newcastle Twitter because it is my quote unquote job. Newcastle fans say the same thing where they're like, especially before this, I mean, even during this. Best best couple of seasons in the past 20 years for Newcastle. And Newcastle fans think that they've spun it. Many have spun it into there's an agenda against Newcastle from the big mm. six as Newcastle. They're, they're afraid of Newcastle trying to sneak in. <laughs> so they're paying off refs. Yeah. And it's like every team has their sector of yeah. fans that do it. I will agree with you, though, that it does feel like more Liverpool fans believe that there's some sort of conspiracy than fans that are just like, hey, 
turns out that like soccer is full or football is full of like people humans that make human errors and not everything is a conspiracy against yeah. you because again there's a sector of newcastle that still again newcastle just beat one yeah, of the best right. teams but in the I, world I, I, and they're I will, like I will, and there's still fans that will log in on sunday morning and say that there's a conspiracy against newcastle once a, a, a handball is not given in the west ham yeah, there's the truth is for all teams, there's peaks and there's valleys of performance and players. And sometimes you have a really good season and sometimes you have a, a season that could have been better if some of the valleys hadn't yeah. happened, you know, and Liverpool may Liverpool very well may finish second, third or fourth this year. Um, and they'll blame a point or two on the situation. And which, it just, which really again is wild considering, I mean, Tottenham's also good. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a good team. Like, yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> Everybody in the media was really focused on, on that being a shame for Liverpool without actually just giving Tottenham the kudos. Like if you were, if it shouldn't have been yeah, that close, like Tottenham right? would, were better than so, them in a lot of regards. They dominated possession, expected goals battle. They won two, one, they had 24 shots. They doubled the shots that Liverpool, like, all right, we're not going to talk about that. That's not Newcastle related. Josh, who who like we'll do that I Liverpool know that part. we were talking about how difficult the the season was for the start for Newcastle, and I think the point you were making, if if I'm understanding you correctly, is that uh, Newcastle weren't really underperforming yes. in those matches. They were performing pretty adequately. They were just playing good teams. Like yes, like it's a it's a tough match exactly. to play Man City away. It's a tough match to play Liverpool. Brighton is legitimately a good team. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that 100% is that I don't think Newcastle went anywhere. I do think there were some adjustments that had to be made nope. for sure. Uh, Tonali, like Tonali not getting off to a perfect start in all these matches definitely kind of hurts his case and the midfield being a little bit different and the attack being stagnant, blah, blah, blah. But you have to consider who Newcastle are playing. They're playing really good teams that are well-drilled and have all have excellent managers. Like all have managers who – 90% yeah. of the teams in all of soccer would want. 99% really. If you're looking at, oh, Klopp, uh, Guardiola, and Deserbi as well, who like AC Milan fans who have a solid manager want Deserbi. Like <laughs> it, it's. Did you, did you hear? I think it was, um, I think it was Real Madrid. They basically are, they're like, yeah, Deserbi's yeah. the next coach. Yeah. So like, it, it, they like, they already put that, they already put that out there. Real Madrid is, they, is, is, so is like, a different story. They're throwing. Yes. They're horrible, and they'll probably get their way. But they they could tap up openly, you know, do that kind of do that kind of manipulating and get away with it, and it's just yeah. horrid. But yeah, there's good coaches yeah. everywhere. Um, all right, cool. So uh, really quickly, because we're actually doing somewhat decently on time. Uh, man of the match for you in this one. Do you have one? Um, I mean Almiron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were fair. talking about yeah. who's back. And and like I know it's a goal scorer, but like it's more of the confidence I think thing too. Were, were yeah. questioning, yeah, because people were questioning his confidence and his and, and they were like, well, you know, was did he just have a good purple patch last year or? And what we know now is not just from this match, but from our the match we'll talk mm-hmm. about in our next episode. Yeah, Miggy's back. Miggy's back, baby, and I love him so much. And look, I was a detractor. I thought this guy didn't even belong in the team at the beginning of last year and I've come full circle. I'm going to go get a custom 
FTC for the culture name name uh, thing for my for my champion. You are League a better man Newcastle than me shirt. because I really I want I want to do that, but I, I my, the way brother I cannot I can't afford that. But I and I love Miggy and I probably love Miggy more than anyone besides Roberto Rojas. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I think Miggy <laughs> for sure and. Um, Honestly, if you're if you're not already following Kev Lawson and you're a Newcastle fan, if you're not already following, please do. He's uh, he works with Stats Bomb. He's a good he's one of the good stats nerds, analytics guys that puts things in the context really well. But he had mentioned that Miguel Amaron so far this season has found space, like just looking at just a, a winger in space, um, better than any other attacking midfielder or winger in all of the big five leagues so far this season, which for to put this in a normal perspective, he's always open. Like and he's always open in dangerous areas. It was just about converting those opportunities and making the right decision. And once he was able to put those two things together, it becomes dangerous. And I'm I'm willing to bet that if you were to take last season as a whole, especially during that purple patch, he probably was in, you know, in the top 10 in doing this across Europe as well. He just was making the right decisions and converting his opportunities at a higher clip. And so now that we're seeing him get into space, have the confidence to make that to, to take on the take on the shot, make the right decision. We're starting to see him score again. And I'm not going to say I don't want to call it a purple patch, but I could see him going on a scoring run. And I don't want to discredit that in any way and say that it's a purple patch. I think it's just Miguel Amaron is a player who, when he is confident, he's going to score goals because he's put himself in positions to do that. Um, but my man of the match, in addition to Miggy, I think he, again, I think well-deserved. Uh, I think this was probably the best match up until this point, for sure, from Bruno Gimaraes. Um, really good match from him uh, all over the pitch. Did well. It was, one again, another match probably where the midfield, outside of the Sheffield one for sure, but the midfield felt really balanced, and I think he was a big part of that. So uh, shout-out to Bruno there. Just a really solid match from him. Um, did well passing-wise, and then just uh, completed all but one of his tackle attempts. So, I mean, just was all over the pitch as a, as a destroyer as well. Um, all right, cool, sweet. Now we hop into uh, into what's next. In uh, Newcastle, uh, we'll have West Ham this upcoming Sunday. Uh, it'll be an away match mm. um, for for those in the states. It's going to be on USA, so um, I will probably be listening um, myself. Um, West Ham don't really have a lot of injuries. Uh, Cresswell's injured for them. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, Aaron Cresswell, who's a left back slash center back, but mostly left back since he's 5'7". He's injured. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, for Newcastle, uh, Harvey Barnes is, is still out. Joe Willock is still listed on the injury yeah. list. And Botman's, of course, injured. Um, one thing that of note is Anthony Gordon is uh, is, is suspended, um, which is probably yep. why, again, we're not going to talk about it fully, but it's one of the reasons why uh, he played – the full nine against PSG is that it was, he was going to rest the next match. So that's something that, yeah, it might be a little throwback for Newcastle with uh, Miggy and uh, Jacob Murphy starting could, could be an interesting one. Um, Or, or could see an Elliot Anderson appearance um, with Jolinton out wide. I also wouldn't, wouldn't say that's out of the question as well. 
Um, jo- well, actually, not Joel Embiid because mm. he's also injured. I. So, is he going to be the back? injuries? So the like thing with Joelinton and, and Colin Wilson is that the word on the street is the injuries are not as serious as um, as initially thought. Um, there's even some rumors that Colin Wilson could. This is speculation that he could actually be starting in this West Ham match. Uh, of course, given Isak played almost the full ninety, he actually might have played the full ninety. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but Isak played a good chunk of the PSG match. Um, yeah, he played the full 90. Yeah. Um, so it, it does, it, there is a potential that Callum Wilson could be starting this as well, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. Um, I, I, just, I want to get back, back to the, the, the topic on hand. Uh, so yes, uh, Joelinton and Wilson look out for that. Harvey Barnes obviously will be playing and Bill Kraft is still, um, nursing that ACL tear from last season. Sven Botman probably won't be back. Joe Willock, again, another TBD. I would love to see Joe Willock named to the bench in this match. I feel like it's been so long, and yeah. I'm not going to lie. I kind of would be excited with this. This midfield group feels like it's coming together, and I think adding Joe Willock back into the fold is only going to help things. Um, all right, cool. And then you want to do uh, stats or history first, Josh? You, you choose. I'll just roll. I'll just roll. Uh, <clears throat> Newcastle are now eighth with 12 points from seven. New uh, West Ham are seventh with 13 points. So they're just a spot above us, one point more. Um, the last five, six results I have is a one to three home loss to City with only 31% possession. Um, then they had a three to one win in the Europa League with a win over Baca Topola. They had a one to three loss away to Liverpool with only 36% possession. And then they had a one nil win at Lincoln City in the EFL Cup and a two nil win over Sheffield United, um, all of which they played in a 4 2 3 1. They have a match tomorrow as we record on a Wednesday. They play Thursday at, or is it tomorrow is Thursday, right? Yes. It is. Thank you, Calendar. I say, I mean, uh, they you play at I was, Yeah, well, it's got all these screens in my face. Uh, they play in the Europa League tomorrow at Freiburg. Uh, and I think that's a tough – I think that could be a tough game for them. Freiburg is very good. Uh, Bundesliga team. Um, so on goals, they've got Jared Bowen with two goals, Thomas, uh, Thomas Susak with three, Mohamed Kudu with one, and James Ward-Prowse with one in, in the time that I just mentioned. They're sort of, they've they've done sort of the same thing that we've done with you know the, losing at, losing to Liverpool, losing to City. They've played Brighton as well in there somewhere and had a competitive match. And I think it looks like the trick is, and this is not really our bag. We don't really do this, but their losses to City and Liverpool, they um, they had less than forty percent possession. And I feel like maybe it's not our it's not sort of our bailiwick, but holding on to the ball more might keep West Ham from being successful. That might be a trick that we could see. I don't know. It's not really in in Eddie Howe's magic bag, but it might be something he might pull out just to <clears throat> possess a little bit more. Um, all time, we have 59 wins, 40 draws, and 43 losses. Now, last year away to West Ham, we won 5-1 in April. Wilson had a brace. Jolinton had a brace and Isaac got a goal. Um, but that's not the goal I picked to look at historically. I picked 
West Ham hosting Newcastle on 18 January 2014 uh, at Upton Park, which they no longer play in, and 33,343 were in attendance. Uh, Carlton Cole got a goal for West Ham, um, but you had goals for Newcastle from Johan Kabai, Loic Remy, Oh, and Johan Kabai got a brace. Uh, the starting lineup for Newcastle was Tim Cruel in between the pipes, David Santon, uh, Stephen Taylor, uh, Mapu Yanga Mumbuya, if you remember no, him. No, I, I really don't. Uh, those I, are def- I trust you. <laughs> he was, I think he was a highly regarded transfer in, and I think he just didn't pan out for some reason. Um, Mike Williamson was uh, playing a defender, center back sort of. Position, uh, Vernon Anita was a defensive midfielder. Czech Teote was another defensive midfielder. Johan Kabai and Musa Sissoko were your, your midfielders. Yuan Gufren were, uh, was uh, the attacking midfielder. And Loic Remy was up top. Um, and Shola Amiobi came in for Vernon Anita. Paul Dummett came in for Santon. And Hatem Benarfa came in in the 78th minute for Loic Remy. And that was a three to one away win. Kabaye also getting multiple mentions in this this week's episode. So that's, that's a teaser. I'm really I'm yes. really good at teasing the next episode. So um yeah. There were of that lineup one, two, three, four, five players, uh five French players started, and then a sixth Frenchman wow. came off the bench. That was that was a good era for Newcastle, just all the French. Uh cool. Yeah, the baguettes. baguettes. All right. Um, I I am a little nervous about this match. I don't know about you, Josh. I'm I'm a bit nervous just because I think West Ham mm. are a solid team. Like, yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, They're I think solid. last season, yeah. um, as folks remember, yeah, you it was right it was time. one of those. They were they were focused on Europe. They didn't. They knew it was. It felt like they knew they were going to be good enough. You know, kind of in in. To, to to stay up and they finished I think 14th last season something along along those lines like they were definitely mid table to lower table last season but um, it was because they weren't taking the league as seriously I think now they kind of understand that it's possible to play Europe and the prem at the same time and I think they're gonna be up for this one there's enough rest that they could get some key players back in the fold for them so I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Josh, is there anyone that you're like, we need to worry about? Outside of, of course, Callum Wilson's podcasting Um, partner, uh, Michael Antonio. um, I think Jared Bowen. He's been pretty hot recently. Um, And Thomas Susek has Mm -hmm. three goals in, in that time frame that I mentioned. So... Um, but Susak is like more of a holding mid, so I'm not quite sure he's as dangerous as he has has shown to be recently. I don't know if Ings or Antonio is going to start, but maybe Bowen and, and Paqueta. Yeah, Paqueta is always one to look out for. Um, I honestly, I'm this is just who I'm looking forward to seeing, just because of the nature of who they are. Is I'm Susak's going to get a little bit further forward than someone like Edson Alvarez, who. CONCACAF legend, um, Edson Alvarez. But uh, mm. I'm just curious to see how he and Bruno sort of match up against each other. Not like directly, but mm. I think they're both going to be the key to the success of each midfield. 
uh, as being sort of that holding midfielder, connecting passes between the back line, the rest of the midfield and the attack. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of pressure on, on either one of them to, to perform. And whichever one of those two does better, I think that that team ultimately wins. Is the rest of the midfield for both sides is just some more attacking players that um, that are going to be relying on Alvarez or Bruno Gimenez to win the ball back and get the attack started. So I, I'm curious to see how Edson Alvarez does um, against a, a quality side. And I think he's good, but I also know that he's a player who um, some people think is potentially overrated. So I'm, I'm curious to just see him myself in a setting in which I feel like the odds are a bit even. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. He didn't. He hasn't looked great against U.S. Men's National Team, but that's a that's completely that's different. Like it's you know national team form is is a different beast altogether, and that's a different podcast altogether. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see how he looks in, in a Premier League side against another quality Premier League team, just because I haven't had an opportunity to see West Ham play, you know, Liverpool and and the likes of those 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 teams. Um, yeah, so I think uh, there'll be some roster movement, as you mentioned. Um, I think that maybe for Newcastle, that's a good thing, actually, because they there won't be any complacency. Yeah. Though I don't really think, I don't think Eddie Howe would, I don't think that he would allow that to happen. But I think Newcastle go into this with confidence um, off their last few results. And even though their, their shutout, their clean sheet streak is over um, after today's game, I think that they can go to West Ham and uh, if they you know if they if they hold on to the ball West Ham might come into this a little bit ca- a, a little bit reserved and cagey based off of what Newcastle was able to do today yeah. they they you it know is, it's I the same thing we were talking about ahead and, of the uh, Burnley match is like how are you going to come out against a Newcastle team that all of a sudden scored you know eight goals and i think that like still that, is yeah. weighing heavy on people but then when you do that and then put up four against one of the best teams in Europe. It's it also, I think, like you said, maybe there might be a little bit of hesitancy or caginess to come out uh, of the gates initially. Yeah, I think Wilson could come out and get an early goal if he starts. And I, I see if Newcastle gets a it gets a, mm-hmm. a first goal, and they hold on to the ball a little bit more than they usually do. I don't know. I think they I think they could get another clean sheet out of this. They could win one nil or two nil. It's not going to be a pretty game. But um, but I think Newcastle. Could yeah, get a and win away. again, worth noting, um, you you brought it up, but Cal Wilson does love man, does love playing against West Ham. Um, it's it's a meme at this point. Uh, he has twelve goals in thirteen matches against West Ham. Uh, so yeah, like he yeah. he loves playing against West Ham. Uh, famously, the last time they played West Ham, he had not famously, just in general, last time we we played West Ham. We did win five one, and he had a brace in that one. Yeah. Uh, but his first, That's right. his first ever match against West Ham, he had a uh, a, a, a hat trick. So, um, I, I think that's the player to watch out for if you're if you're a West Ham fan. Yeah. Uh, Josh, who do you have winning this match? Uh, Newcastle two um, 0 two 0 Um, I think I'll match you this. I I think it's it's possible Newcastle win this um as well. I think 2-0 is, is fair, um, and it. I think, again, on paper, this West Ham team is good, and I think they're going to be – and I do think they're a well-coached team. 
I think right now mm-hmm. the more confident team is Newcastle, and I think that will be the difference. Yeah. yeah All right. So well, um, that's it for this episode of CHN Radio. I'm Elijah. That's Josh. Boys and lads. We love you. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody In the living Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it off as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how weird. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming